So I hope everybody's happy and having a good time. you really get the sense of uh, how unavoidable it is to experience some suffering <laughs> and uh, one of the points of, of taking on a this kind of form and training is to is to start to block off the foxholes that one jumps down to get out of it but of course you, this is your choice if you want to really end the dukkha then you have to find ways to to meet it because it's the, the ending of dukkha is right where it is actually it's not it's nowhere else mm-hmm. It's like you know something will rise up and where it, where it rose from you know some form some energy some impulse some irritation some restlessness some distress rises up right where it rising from and that's the sankara that's the impulse you know, something hits the mind and then as the impulse runs up you know you start being squeezed or wobbled or pushed or jumpy mm-hmm. and uh, so average person is actually on the run average untrained person is just uh, on the run mm-hmm. so busy running around because mm-hmm. this stuff is just running all this process is happening all the time so you're like someone running from buckshot <laughs> body the feelings the pressures the what other people do the effects in one's own mind yeah. so actually if we get to the source of it so the Buddha's trying to say you know, get to the origin where it rises up it doesn't even mean explaining it we say not the not an intellectual reason for suffering, but that very wellspring where it starts bubbling up, and that place is the place where there can be this shift. Instead of moving up and out, we open. Pretty mm, like you just kind of open to it, and uh, so as you, as you open to it, it gets bigger takes up the space, you open to it a bit more, it gets bigger takes up that bit of space, you open to it a bit more, it gets bigger uh, till there's no room for you and then it then it's, it's, it's finished, it finishes itself so the ground of non-suffering there's no self, there's no person there's nobody accomplishing it, nobody doing it Nobody awakening. There's just a sense, oh, this is finished. 
this is this is finished. And as they say in the suttas, you know, it knows this is finished. It knows it is released. It's not, you know, the ground, you might say, knows what it is. And mm, so the, the ground realizes itself. But so often, you know, the even though one gets the message, sort of, you know, every time after time, one is put to the test of bearing what you can't bear. So something in you burns out, or gives up, or breaks, or drops. You know, sometimes it's relatively small things are relatively easy, you know, let go of, oh, I wanted it to be this way, oh well, I wanted it to be quiet, oh well, I wanted to have a chat, oh well, I wanted it to be like this, oh well, you know, you can manage things of this nature, you know, you can feel something happens there, doesn't it, a particular impulse, a particular form, a personal form, preference, a projection of what one would like, arises, then something, oh, it's not going to happen. Then we can get you know, angry, upset, disappointed, blame, feel, dep- you know, it's okay. Or you can, we can widen. You know? That's the bit, isn't it? That's the bit that monastic life is telling, teaching us. Time after time, very much the training, you might say. Until you get to the really big bits. Because mm. so, all this is, uh, although no one really accomplishes it, the path is what accomplishes it. Mm. So these factors, uh, what we call the enlightenment factors, Mindfulness, investigation, energy, or I might say persistent, persistence, staying with it. Mm. Rapture, concentration, samadhi, equanimity, Mm. collectedness and equanimity. Or calm, also. So rapture, calm, samadhi, and equanimity. So seven factors, mm-hmm. and particularly um, this teaching of Ajahn Chah is very much, you know, you, you develop those to sense those qualities, particularly in solitude. You know, you start to really feel the what 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 is a cause for rapture. You know, and it's the sense of staying with something skillful and there's a widening and a releasing of one's doubt, 
one's worry, one's sense of, am I doing the right thing? Should I be focusing on this? Where's the nimitta right now? Am I one of these or one of those? What stage am I at? Just, just you know, that flustery worry bit. It's really useful because you can see how even good ideas and skillful thinking can just be so much restlessness and doubt, worry and doubt. You don't know. You can't know with your head. You've got to know somewhere else. So it's really helpful to, you know, not just because of the pleasure, because it's quite pleasant, but also it's like a shift to something much more intuitive and, well, no matter what it says in the book or so-and-so says, this is, this is what happens. You know, you've got to go to something quite intimate. And so it is a very helpful, you know, transference or transferring to, to just almost like a bodily sense of gut knowledge, heart knowledge. You know, this is where I feel held, where I feel resonant, where I feel uh, not, not having to hold it all together. It's happening for me. Mm-hmm. The mind then, it's, it's unmistakable because the mind starts to change its, its clothing. You know, it comes suddenly. It sort of sits in something, rest, and then you become. Then there's that ability to be more equanimous because you've got some little bit of ground, even though it's a created ground. It's a little bit of ground. You begin to s- sense how, with rapture, you're able to let go of um, the, the suffering of sense contact. The, the that quality suffering of sense contact and suffering of thought the irritation and the flustering and the and the all that and this is uh, it's the, and it's something strength and they touch touch into some ground this is a, this is a basic piece we can do we can look for individually, we can work towards individually, what we can, it's what we do. Just widening, broadening, shifting our center to somewhere that's much more intuitive, resonant. You know, this feels like it's for me, you know, it's carrying me, it's holding me. Without that, when it's really just guessing and going off on good ideas, Ajahn Chah recommended very much the first three factors as a kind of um, for mindfulness, just bearing something, bearing something in mind, staying with it, and investigation. Where's the? Where's the? What's happening here? A very inquiring mind. What's really going on? Is it him? Is it me? Is it this? Is it that? You know, it's, am I looking for stability in things that can't be stable? Or what does? What is it that looks for stability? You know, is it really me, or is it just an instinct, an energy that you can feel? What is it that suffers, and when does it suffer, and when does it stop? You, know, you keep that kind of quality, Dhamma Vijaya. 
but it's not necessarily verbal you have to put it in words but it's kind of feeling it out to the places where one's getting you know either leaning on something starting to sleep into something you know lulled into something or uh, shaken up by something And then uh, persistence, virya. Persistence, the energy, putting energy into that place where one wants to jump and run and blame and point and form a view or another. About the way, you know, you're just bearing that place, that, that exposed nerve. And he summed it up, his kind of almost his repeated teaching was torn torn me torn it's become a kind of catchphrase or torn <laughs> and it's translated as patience but patience is perhaps too too gracious a word or Thai particularly Lao can be very earthy and ought means just give get to to give up to go without to fast you know to relinquish and torn means to bear or to endure so it's something like that relinquish and endure mm. so it's a sense of relinquish the future the past the hope the idea bear bear with the the raw edge of it mm. No, we might say that's the first three enlightenment factors summed up <laughs> when they come to 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 work on this very uh, experience of dukkha. So a lot of our practice is really just they're using form to be patient with the form of one's body, with its illness and aches and itches and so forth form of uh, the vinya with its demands and its pressures and its obligations forms of a community you know, with their ups and downs and comings and goings and people you don't get on with and people you want to see more of and all that kind of thing then you know pressures the uh, Bearing with a monastery, with all its weather that blows through it, physical, psychological, sometimes it's busy, sometimes it's quiet. Yeah. And, so, yeah, and then retreat, just bearing with a retreat, which uh, can be pleasant at times, peaceful at times, and then sometimes just gets a bit boring. You know, months after this, so you want to do something, or get something happen. Lost the interest in the talks, boring, had enough. What torn, no? Not because it doesn't, doesn't cause one stress, but actually, you know, really insincere, interested, you know, to got recognised that. that this is you know, where we learn where letting go can happen. It's 
kind of safe. So the idea is that actually no one, everyone comes in choice. Make tentative commitments, provisional commitments, make common choice. And, uh, you know, the moral quality. Really important in the community to get a sense of just real, just um, basic, basic friendship. You know, whether we always have fun with each other or not, just basic, we're, we're in it together. You know, and Agaricus suffer, nuns suffer, monks suffer, Samaneras suffer, you know, brothers and sisters in all that. So, you know, this is our, our kinship, and it's a, it's a very deep kinship. Sometimes the relationships in Sangha are more poignant than even in ordinary life. Because in a way, Sangha, to enter Sangha you have to, so you, the, there's this transference, isn't there? We mean you take an idea or a meaning. You get a meaning and an idea. And then you, you know, that, that comes into yourself and then it, you, one projects it around just happens, you don't decide to do it, just happens. That's what happens. So that we don't so you know, Sangha what tends what happens in order to enter it is a feeling of this is the the pure, the bright, the the moral, the kind, the that which carries my aspirations. So it does. You know, that's the meaning of it. That's the distillation of it. Yet we can also see that Sangha is, on one level, is a group of fallible, impermanent human beings. And in between those two polarities, you want to have both of them actually. This is where you experience the suffering and cessation of it, caught between those two poles. It both is the aspiration, and it's also the disappointment. Yeah, if it was all just, well, it's just a bunch of Joes and Sallys, so what, it doesn't really matter. They wouldn't have the rising up. You wouldn't really commit. You couldn't really give your heart to it. But because it then, you know, the Aryan Sangha is enlightened beings. The mundane Sangha is unenlightened beings. I mean, that's putting black and white, but, you know, beings who've still got work to do. This means, you know, the grumpy, <laughs> the changeable, the shifting, you know, people with raw edges, they get a bit, you know, irritated or sparky around. You know the sense of all that, so it's not not comfortable place on that level. And yet there you are, you know, you're giving you giving yourself to it. So both are true. It's because of that that um, on one level that's why that's how holding those two together where something in you 
sort of, you know, breaks or gives up. I used to call this place Heartbreak Hotel. People come here and say, welcome to Heartbreak Hotel. (laughs) The management reserved the right to be depressed. Because it's it's both the place of tremendous service and kindness and generosity and support, and it's also the place of, you know, don't understand, you know, why is he, why is she, she didn't, they don't, you know, that kind of thing. Imagine Chai has spent his first eight years tudong, you know, which means going around and putting up, you know, being out in forests and graveyards and nearly dying and pitting himself against tigers and what and packs of dogs and terrible things and being left in the rain and all kinds of hardships for about eight years, I think. And so this was, he had all his teeth pulled out because he, I think he had one or two bad teeth so he thought, well, I might as well get rid of a lot of them, then they won't cause me any more pain. So he had them all pulled out. No anaesthetics. So that's, you can imagine that's quite a lot of man and ability to, to endure pain. <laughs> Proved. <laughs> and then he set up the, you know, Wat Ba Pong, and it's actually the most um, productive uh, presentation of the Four Noble Truths was actually staying at Wat Ba Pong. You know, because then you actually realize suffering is not some kind of personal quirk, everybody's doing it. You know, that sense of bringing it together really helps, just helps to give you a little bit more kind of, um, somehow it widens your sense of it. You see, then you experience it more as a as a feature rather than as a person. Here it is. You see it welling up in people. You see people burning with it, jumping with it, hopping up and down with it, sticking their heads in buckets of water trying to put it out, you know, looking for some place where it, you know, where it's going to happen. <laughs> you know. Should I stay in the robe? Should I leave? Is it going to be better in lay life? Is it going to be better in another place? You know, it's kind of stuff. How can I make it more comfortable? And yeah, you know, it's, everyone has the right to 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 do that to an, to a degree. You know, to find a place where we can make our stand, where it's good enough. Good enough. Uh, another phrase of poor Charles poor D good enough. Meditation is, you know, it's not really into bliss and far out states, just good enough to do the work. So certainly in monastery, Wat Pa Pong is pretty, be very quiet, but also pretty busy. A lot of the practice is just um, physical work and um, being with. I'll say that we have to do that, but just give you a, a sense of, just open the mind up, because we all know about the, you read the books, you know, 
the ideal places. And certainly the sense of it is that when you when you're entering and you basically deal with the, the suffering of keeping the eight precepts, you know, going to things regularly, doing the duties, letting go of one's own personal inclinations. So you build it up like that as best you can. No one's expecting perfection so much as a sincere application, Viriya. Because we are arms mendicants, we're living as uh, in debt in a way. But as you develop, you take on responsibility, which means always trying to make something out of out of what is essentially random, chaotic. Trying to make something formed out of what is really basically fairly random and and chaotic. You know, it's a work project, you haven't got enough of this, you haven't got enough of that, or whether it's uh, other aspects of community life. Clooney, of course, you know, the, the more senior you get, the more you're trying to actually have the sense of the well-being, the harmony of the community, which again is, uh, is um, <laughs> it's random chaotic stuff. Nothing more random and chaotic than our own minds, is it? So you're trying to sense what will actually work for everyone. Well, in a way, nothing. Apart from, you know, each individual's right view and uh, capacities and essentially acknowledgement that one is in it together. We help each other, we sympathise with each other, we're not just um, items on an agenda. We try to see other people's point of view, because you can't see it, you try and listen and get it. So, even if you don't need to agree, you just actually at least be hurt, be feeling you're offering that. So there's some sense of widening one's, one's awareness. And Again, basic practice, even when we're in silence, is you know, communal duties, looking out for things, tidying up, helping each other out, simple ways. And it's all that seems kind of unimportant or trivial, but actually it isn't, because it's that ability to widen out of one's self-preoccupation that, that is the gesture of release. That widening out of the sankharas is the gesture of release. You know, because the sense of dukkha is actually um, conditioned. It's not absolute dukkha. It can be seen as the characteristic of formed things as they break up. They're not stable. They're not essentially gratifying. That's dukkha as a, a characteristic. Dukkha as a noble truth is slightly different. It means we can, in the presence of that characteristic, not internalize it. In the presence of chaos, 
find order within us and not internalize that in the presence of the imperfect, the hurt, the confused, not internalize that. You don't have to take that meaning in, in. You don't have to, but of course at first we do. It's the reflex. It's what we're always doing. It's what the mind always does. Or it builds up its own little realm, you know, well, preoccupations and hobbies and things and inner musings. So we build up another realm. But this isn't about another realm. This is about not picking up this one. And we have picked it up. If we're not uh, our aunts, we do pick it up. Perhaps we pick it up less. So that's uh, that's the conundrum, isn't it? But then, uh, <coughs> through just bearing with, what happens is that the the sense of the you, you, you know the, the, what picks it up and holds it up is the, is the sankara. It's this formative karma energy, formative energy. So what happens? You you see something, and it becomes affecting me. It affects me. And then around that I get interested or excited or confused or irritated or just shrug it off. All that inner movement, that sankara. I might form an opinion about it, I might want to make something of it, drop it, dump it, shrug it off, whatever. That's that all that. And my the particular strategies you might say form who I am. My particular personal thing, the things that I don't see, the things that I get wound up about, the things that I'm interested in, things that I, you know, fend off and frightened of or don't pick up. So, you know, so you know, life is sankaring away. Uh, And the sense of the teaching is that that's what, as we rebirth occurs, further becoming occurs around that. So, mm. But where that arises, you can some feel some of these forms, sankara forms, you get a particular uh, a somatic quality to it. If you're wobbly, jumpy, tense, Sometimes you feel empty or gutted or frozen up. Cabin fever, you feel itchy and under pressure. And you get a particular emotional pattern with it. So some people get more angry and irritable. Other people get kind of collapse inwardly, get more depressed. Things of that nature. You get an emotional pattern comes out of this initial pattern. So often the emotional pattern is extremely um, me. Mm -hmm. So 
So particular forms that come up, personal forms, you know. You want it, there's where when you take it into the bodily sense, you widen with that. You recognize that the sense contact in the body, you're touching something, moving, breathing in and out, that's not angry, that's not, that's just breathing. You come into things like that, sitting with it. Um, and sometimes it takes a while just to let let that discharge occur. Well, you can get better at it and quicker at it. So this in a way is the beginner's course. Yeah. Or not just the beginner perhaps, but a um, you know, high school. Beginners still trying to get meditation to work. And it's always useful to just an ordinary common common or garden level of understanding that uh, you know things go on very obvious thing isn't it you know you feel happy and sad and up and down and things will just go on <laughs> and you'll go on you know your mind saying I don't want it I can't say I'm not having this for you you'll go on you'll get you'll you know you'll be there you don't disappear when the sankaras don't work, you don't. You don't know what you'll be, but you'll you'll be you'll go on. You get past the heartbreak. Everyone sure has their heartbreaks, but you go on. And uh, sometimes you know sometimes you don't want to go on, but you do. And it's really that, that little bit like that. And everybody else experiences this. It's not something, it's just a personal matter. Everyone experiences this. You know, terrible things happen to people, violence and in, in human beings. You know, terrible, horrible things happen. Physical violence, abuse. And people keep going. And recognizing again, it's it's uh, uncomfortable, but but it can be a comforting truth that every time you you come through this, you get bigger. You know, you're not just uh, going back to where you were, feeling okay again. You don't go back to feeling okay again. You get bigger, more capacity, and you get deeper. Till the realized being is immeasurable. Deep and vast. And certainly people ask me about Ajahn Chah, I was only with him for a month or so actually. 
Zilbra Waino. But uh, I knew from the start what I knew was this, this uh, first thing he noticed was this rather small, physical, physically small person. Uh, wow, why, why do I sense this, this person is huge? Why is it this unmistakable sense of this person is, is immeasurably huge? And not in a frightening way, not in a kind of power domineering way, but just the immense uh, ease and space. Where's that? Where do you, how do you get one of those? And then you start to recognize every time something new, Sankara blows out or gives up, well, you get a bit bigger, and you get a bit bigger, and you get a bit bigger, and you go deeper and deeper. And that's the that's how it happens, as far as I could say. So a lot of our practice is just, uh, you know, you can't, you can't get to the, you know, 20 foot deep until you've got 5 foot deep. So you've got to work with the bit that's there for you. And just keep working at that place. Tedium or the dullness of the mind, misbehavior of the mind, life uncertainties. And uh, bearing, you know, having the realize the encouragement, actually, uh, you know, no one wants this to happen, but, but Actually, to this is the the place where the time, the occasion, where you really learn something very very useful about the human being. Human beings are enlightenment kits. <laughs> the most effective enlightenment kit in the universe. You just got to know how to, how it operates. Set it up. <laughs>